the only way we have ever extended health span and longevity in every model organism tested is with dietary restriction without malnutrition, namely essential amino acid restriction. So that means from yeasts and flies and worms all the way to our primate cousins, the rhesus macaques, that was like there's two really good studies going on with those. Um, the only way they've ever improved health span and longevity is by restricting calories, restricting essential amino acids. Essential amino acids, the ones that we need from our diet. There's only nine. We get them everywhere. But restriction of them, where they're really high in, animal products. So a plant-based diet naturally restricts essential amino acids. A plant-based diet naturally restricts calorie because you eat more, right, and for fewer calories. And so it's like a win-win kind of a way to get that natural dietary restriction without hunger and misery and deprivation. And it's, it's, it's basically a natural way and an easy way, a fiber-rich way and a healthy way to get what we've seen as the only way to extend healthspan and longevity. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I'm Jess, I'm your host, and this is the place where we share stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose. From the first moment we heard Juliana Hever on the Rich Roll Podcast back in 2013, we could feel the passion that fueled her purpose. It was contagious and we wanted more. When we started the YTP in 2016, she went on the list, and today this all comes to fruition. Juliana is the plant-based dietitian. She is the author of four books. Is it four books? Yes, the fifth one is coming. Okay, fifth one is coming, <laughs> including The Idiot's Guide to Plant-Based Nutrition, the first edition, and then the second edition, which she co-authored with Ray Cronize 10 years after the publishing of her first one. Juliana, we are so grateful that timing has aligned, and I'm honored to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much, both of you. I'm honored to be here. <laughs> I really am. I'd love for you to open up our conversation with telling us a little bit about your plant-based story when was your switch and you know when did it become your your life and what you do in writing books and and having so much passion for plants it's been a long journey because i tried pretty much my whole life i remember when i was about 13 14 which my daughter's turning 14 tomorrow i can't believe it <laughs> my baby so when i was her age i started reading you know about you know I, my first book was uh, john robbins diet for new america and he just shocked me and moved me and I was like oh my gosh I don't want to participate in what's happening for me it was the animals like I was very interested in diet and nutrition too because I was a dancer and an actress in Los Angeles which um, is a lot of pressure on what you look like and you know your size and it was always an issue growing up here and so I was always reading about that but when I heard about the animal part from John Robbins that to me trumped everything and that was it i was done and so what does that mean you know in many many years ago i won't date myself exactly but i was you know there was no internet i didn't know how to look it up and so i was like okay i'm gonna cut out animal products and my parents were like a veggie what you know like they were just like what are you talking about and it, you know my mom struggled with well we always joke about this now because she wasn't she never taught me how to cook you know, like if she was going to make a recipe, it was all day making a recipe. So a veggie what was like put on the sidelines and I was eating, you know, side dishes and fruit roll-ups and rice cakes and Diet Cokes. And I just, I was just trying to omit animal products. So that was my start. <laughs> just pumping in the, take out the animals and pump in the chemicals. <laughs> right. That, 
<laughs> right? It's like, cut out the middleman. I'm just going to pump the chemicals that they pump into the animals. Fruit roll ups in so long. Those I know. Are really good. I know. Old am Actually, that's the second time I've heard fruit roll ups in like three days. So, mm. no. I don't know. I don't are know. They still I'm not... around? I don't know. But that, I, no, they, well, it was a recent conversation. Oh, really? So, I think okay. they are. There are different derivations, I think, that I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Pumping the chemicals. That's pretty much what happened. <laughs> And, you know, that was like, what, the 80s, 90s back then. That's what we were eating. Like, oh, it was totally. Like, normal. Tab, Diet Coke. Yeah. For okay, sure. I'm a little post-tab. All right. I was <laughs> tab. Let's not get crazy. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're, yeah you're younger than me. <laughs> okay. We're close, but <laughs> probably, but I don't even know. Anyway, uh, my parents got worried, of course, needless to say. And so mm. they, I always talk about the story. I've published it now. Um, it's kind of funny because I, we had their friend, a nurse, take me out to dinner and tell me how I'm going to be protein deficient and iron deficient and I have to eat animals and I can't do what I wanted to do. And she scared me, you know, of course, Mm -hmm. being young and, you know, impressionable. So I sat there with the steak that we ordered. It was a teriyaki steak with a pineapple ring on top that I remember like it was like, and once you, I always say, once you know, you can't unknow what that steak was. And so I just, I'll never forget that bite, but I was so scared and I remember chewing and I would never go down, you know, one of those (laughs) chewy bites. But I eventually got back into it and I was like, okay, this is what I have to do. And so, but I didn't give up on the message. Like I knew it still bothered me. So I kept reading and reading and reading and reading. And again, no internet that I was aware of at the time. So it was a long journey. It was a long, long journey. And fast forward to, I was always fascinated by nutrition. Like I said, because of that whole thing with the acting and then I became a personal trainer when I was in graduate school. No, no, undergrad. Okay, no, no. I was finishing UCLA, um, and my undergrad degree ended up being, it was pre-med, but it ended up being theater. So I got my degree in theater, and I started personal training with this woman because I was trying to lose weight for my managers and agents, you know, so I could look okay on film. And then um, I was working with this trainer, and then I started personal training. And I was like, I loved it. Because I also used to, like, I have I have cassette tapes of me training my my sister and friends like exercise like doing aerobics classes like I just <laughs> the real question is do you have uh, a device to play those cassette tapes on no no okay. I don't even have the cassette tapes anymore <laughs> they're, they're lost somewhere I don't know I know I just had this visual of you with like big headphones on your cassette tapes my Walkman <laughs> my Sony Walkman yeah your Walkman <laughs> that was like you know 20 pounds oh my right. god yeah but wasn't it waterproof like the big, yellow, the big one? yellow one yeah. Yeah. yes yeah. I finally got the big yellow one for when I was exercising. But yeah, so I loved fitness and all that. So I was doing that and um, it all, you know, and then I became a trainer. So I remember studying for my ACE certification. Gosh, I don't remember what year it was. And I graduated college. My parents took me and my sister to, to Italy for our graduation. We both graduated the same time. And had this amazing trip, and I came home, and I found out I passed my ACE certification. So I was officially a personal trainer. I was officially graduated from college. And then, like, my one client that I'd already had had thrown out her back while I was gone in Italy. So my sister's like, oh, you don't have a business. So I was like, shoot, what am I going to do? So I was knocking on people's doors, making flyers, and I started a personal training business, and I built it up. And people kept asking me about nutrition. So I was like, well, I'd been studying it my whole life, but it was really like a chapter in my personal training book that – qualified me and I was like no I'm not going to just say whatever comes to mind I want to know what I'm saying and why I'm saying it so right away I signed like I thought I was done with school forever I applied to grad school right away got in right away so I barely I think I had one semester off like I went right into it and oh my gosh I found my passion like I've never 
thought how I knew I love nutrition, but oh my gosh, like it was the first time in my life I was getting straight A's. I was like consuming this stuff. I couldn't get enough of this nutrition stuff. And this, and then, you know, it was like, oh, chem and bio, chem and micro and all this like crazy stuff that I never thought I could ever face as like a more theater, you know, artistic type of person. I loved it. So I love grad school. I was personal training. I built up my practice. And it was like a few years in, I'm like still exploring the whole plant-based thing. Well, there was no, no one said plant-based back then. It was vegetarian kind of a thing. And then um, at the end, when I really started reading and I really started being able to have that ability, I felt confident about diving into the research. And I realized, oh, uh, yes, you can get all of those nutrients and actually better from plants. So it took me a long time. This is many, many years later. And then, but in school, you're you're getting you're getting more, are you getting more traditional like the, the oh the yeah. yeah and oh yeah no there was biology. no plant based vegetarian vegetarian now I want to say vegetarian I've got <laughs> myself trained vegetarian now that I can say it I'm gonna say it again vegetarian yeah it's funny <laughs> um, but no I I got the traditional everything but I was able to look at the science objectively for the first time and know that that stuff was true. And so after that, that's when I was reading the China study. That's when the China study came out. And that's when, what else was happening at the time? I don't know. It was like, I, it was a no brainer for me. I'm like, I'm just going to do this. I'm going for it. I'm diving right in. I just have my children. <laughs> Great time to, you know, sit around and do nothing. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So I did. And I, it transformed my own health, completely transformed my own health. Like my skin finally was like, I had acne my whole life, finally gone. My GI problems I had my whole life finally ameliorated. My um, everything, everything was better. So I was like, I'm gonna try this with my clients. Tried it with my clients. Amazing. Like instead of like not having to, you know, not go up in medication as the goal or not, you know, not progress in your disease state, people were getting off medications. People were recovering from illness. People were losing weight easily. People, were, I mean, it was, it was like, it was almost like, you know, it sounds so like impossible or cliche at the same time, where it's like, oh, like the fountain of you, the magic. But it really was, I was seeing things that I've never seen in my life. But you were pursuing what you love. So it was, it was natural. It was a natural transgression. Like you can look at it as like, oh my God, this, it, it, I can't believe this happened. But of course it happened. Like you just dove in. So I think we skipped over too. You were pre-med and then you went to theater. Mm -hmm. So was there, what shift was going? So you're, it seems like you were always on that path, right? You were pre-med, you were curious about nutrition obviously in the body yes. and then you shifted to theater and now you now you're back to well it was like all at once it was like both at the same time yeah. because i wanted to be an actress and a dancer from, i started my mom always says you danced before you walked you you know you were always on performing and and i was and but i hated that industry so much like i hated it but there was there was a lot of a lot of personal stuff that gets in between that but then i realized i went to an, a performing arts high school um so I was doing all that I was doing. I really loved theater. I did a lot of Shakespeare. I played Juliet, which was like, you know, my fantasy role because I loved <laughs> Roman Juliet. Um, and there was a lot of that going on simultaneously. I still love that stuff, but I wouldn't want to do it anymore. But it's interestingly now I ended up having a TV show and I ended up having, because mm -hmm. at first I was like, what a waste of a degree, like my undergrad degree, like what a waste to be theater. No, it totally came in handy. Like I was able to do Dr. Oz and have my own TV show and all those things. Because, and get on stage in front of a thousand people because of that training. I think it made it a lot easier to use um, those skills to deliver my mm -hmm. message. But they all it's all this interwoven stuff, I don't know. But I don't think it was just that I was doing my passion. 
um, I think it was the plant-based diet because I was teaching nutrition and fitness and I was doing great. Like my, I had clients, I had a waiting list after knocking on people's door. I had a waiting list of clients. They wanted to work with me, but it wasn't, I wasn't having the same success as I did when I switched to plant-based. But that said, there's all these personal things. I gave, I went into labor on an exercise ball at my client's house <laughs> at seven in the morning. I've, I've been training her for 10 years and I was like nine months pregnant. I was like, when is this baby going to get here? You know, and she was, it was 10 days early. And this is literally now almost exactly to the day 14 years ago. It's going to make me all emotional. <laughs> and I love personal training. I love my clients so much. Like, I mean, you know, they were at my wedding and they were like, we were so close. And then I was sitting there, like, we were, I was like, so tired at the time. I was doing <laughs> lateral raises on the ball with my client. And I was like, ooh, I think my water just broke. And I went to the bathroom and she drove me to the hospital. And I stopped personal training right then. Like, it was, I gave up my whole business, which is a really awful personal story. But that, um, and then that's when I, it just like it all happened in a weird way. So I don't know. But everything changed when I started teaching plant based nutrition in terms of what was happening with my clients. And that's what was exciting. And all your clients were receptive? They, you know, no hesitation, no... Or was it your delivery of, of introducing plant-based nutrition to them? You know, because usually you get that resistance. Well, I, I, I wonder, too, it's... What I'm thinking is, like... Was it less confusing back then? Like, right now, there's such a fight for this is the way to eat. You got to go keto. You got to go, you know... Uh, well, now there's the whole the carnivore movement, I, yeah. <laughs> rolling of the eyes. Um, we, we maybe can talk about that. Um, there's such a fight now that, and you and you know that you know you can pretty much we could pull up a research report and we could we could say we could give evidence to support really any way of eating because of the way that these research projects and studies are funded and perhaps skewed. I don't know if that's the correct word. What's the correct word? No, I would say, yeah. I would actually disagree. I would yeah. think that it it does look like that on the surface. But yeah, but I, you, you know, so tell It tell was us. like that back then. It's it was. always been like this. I don't okay. think that part's changed. And I don't think, and I just, I came to a place, it took me years, but I came to a place where I stopped trying to convince anyone. Like right now, I don't want to convince anyone. I will help you. I will show you what I know, but I will never try to convince anyone anymore. I'm done. Like, I'm not going to argue like, you know, now I work with Ray and Ray loves these debates because he's so persuasive and he's so absolutely brilliant that he can he can go that way. I'm not interested in that. If you want me to help you, I will help you. But I try to wean away like I turned I try to turn down people every day. I turn down people that I won't work with you. I won't work with you unless you really want this. If you want this, I will show you and I will help you and I will love you throughout the whole process. But I'm not going to try to convince anyone. And what I've learned from Ray also, because now we have a library with books from the beginning, every book written on metabolism, nutrition, diet from 19th century. He has everything. He's documented it. It's going to come out in the next book, his book. And then our book is a summary plus all the recipes. Um, nothing has changed. Mm. The Harris-Benedict equation is the same from 100, 150 years ago. He could give you the exact dates. Everything is the same. Nothing. What has is changed. that equation? What is that? That's like how to measure your metabolism, like okay. like a predict your metabolism. He's actually measured hundreds of metabolisms in a, a calorimeter. He has in his. He calls it his um. 
midlife crisis calorimeter <laughs> that he, he bought instead of it's a sports not a, car. Expensive, I think. Would I, from what I remember him They're talking expensive. about, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, so he, it's all of it. Nothing has changed, and all of these research studies that we so we see right now, it's all like manipulation of data. Yeah. If it, if it sways, but all the information's the same. All the information's the same, and you can basically make an argument for like the whole you know gosh maybe it's about five years ago or so maybe even longer like the whole butter is back like people can kind of that was that was a manipulative study that was a meta-analysis that was totally manipulated the data was manipulated oh you know what i like this let's dive into that how do you feel like that that was misrepresented or manipulated because there you know we do have people that listen to this they're still doing the bulletproof coffee and things like that that was made up the bulletproof coffee Okay, that study, that one, there's two meta-analyses that came out around the same time, and they took studies, and like one of them, they basically took out uh, a variable to make it look like it didn't matter, but it's like the most important factor. I mean, there's just, there's 150 solid years of research connecting saturated fat to cardiovascular disease. You can't unseat that with one meta-analysis where they took a few studies and manipulated the variables and come up with some conclusion. And then pop it on the cover of Time magazine. Well, that was serendipitous, right? Because, right. Like, it's ridiculous. No butter's not back. And, and I mean, we That's going to sell magazines, though, right? Of course. Yeah. Because people want to hear what they want to hear. And if that supports their viewpoint or the, the um, it's like a blessing to go eat their bacon and eggs because they like it, they're going to take it. But I can't tell you how many times I've seen people, it's always the same. Like if you eat more of that stuff, you will have high cholesterol. If you have high cholesterol, you're more at risk of having a heart attack or a stroke or diabetes. I mean, it's just, it's like across the board. There's 150 years of all the data. There's the um, epidemiological data. There's the randomized controlled trials. There's the animal data. There's everything. It's all the same. And it all points to the fact that eating whole foods, plant-based diet is a healthy way to go. It's the healthiest way we've seen. We've never seen another diet reverse cardiovascular disease, advanced stage cardiovascular disease, and type 2 diabetes. It's the only diet that's ever done that. And it's my understanding that the body makes cholesterol. So if the body makes cholesterol and it makes all the cholesterol it needs, then it could be argued that we never really need to ingest cholesterol. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. It looks that way. Yeah. We definitely produce cholesterol. So where do you stand on, um, we're just going to start firing through some topics here. Let's do it. Um, where do you stand on like oils? <laughs> I use coconut oil on my skin. Yeah, and my hair. I use it in my hair. Yeah, me too. And uh, we, do use a, we do use a little bit of oil, but I would Not say it's pretty. Mainly goes on our bodies. We've been doing a lot of just steaming of our vegetables now as opposed to sauteing them in oil, which gives them just like a brightens them up it gives them this the oil ama- no the water oh. just steaming it gives them this amazing crunch and beautiful color so yeah where do you stand on this whole thing because it can be really confusing and that's one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on here is kind of clean up this confusion so it's interesting because i've been advocating for oil free for many years and i teach people how to cook without oil and how to bake without oil and how to make dressings without oil it's not necessary. It's definitely not necessary. You know, I talk about that in vegetarian diet because it was necessary because it's times of scarcity and they were using oil to survive, basically olive mm. oil. But um, now that I'm working with Ray <laughs> <laughs> and in our new cookbook with 100 recipes, it was like we've had this whole discussion many, many times. 
we use oil now as a flavoring, not as an ingredient. So something like sesame oil, which has a very, you can't replicate that with sesame seeds, or a robust olive oil, or a chili oil, which is real spicy. You can use it as a flavoring. So he has this really cool way of doing it where like, you know, you water saute, or we saute, we do also dry saute, all that. But then at the very end, and only like maybe probably half a dozen recipes out of 100 has a little bit of oil. And it's like a teaspoon for four servings. So you're the, as opposed for the whole thing. Yeah. So as opposed to throwing the saute pan on, doing the glug 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 of the oil, throwing the vegetables in in sautéing, it's like you can dry sauté them. You can you can um, put a little bit of water in there, and then at the end use a little bit of oil for some flavoring. Is that exactly. what you're saying? Yeah, because mm. that's not going to hurt you. Yeah, but it's on the other side of that. People have it like, oh, coconut oil is the magic oil, well, and yeah. it's not. I mean, it's first of all, I don't. We don't use coconut oil at all, except for like what you said. I use it for my skin. But it's really high in saturated fat. Now, it's a different kind of saturated fat, and that's what everyone talks about. It's got the, the more medium-chain triglycerides, shorter fatty acids. So is that better? I don't know. There was a recent meta-analysis, I think 2016, that came out. It's not much better than butter. So we don't really know. I, don't, I definitely think it's not a miraculous anything. It could be better than maybe the meat-based saturated fats, the animal-based. Now, do you feel like there's a... A difference in like so we have a lot of people who listen to this podcast that are training for Ironman training for ultra marathons um, Ultraman like multi-day triathlons and things like that where activity levels are upwards of you know anywhere I would say a big range between 15 30 hours a week of training that we need more of this we need more fat well also the intensity of a lot of these races is lower so obviously the sprints you know like sprinting in the pool mm. for 100 meters, you, you need to use up energy pretty quick. Mm. So the thought process is with these long distance endurance races, so 30 hours, your body can actually process like real food because you're, you're not taxing it as much. So would uh, an oil like that, saturated coconut oil or something, some sort of fuel, help them be best for them along uh, an endurance race like that? or? I mean, the Not easiest so source of fuel is going to be something that's carbohydrate-based. But we don't like to even use carbohydrate, fat, and protein. Like, we don't even talk about it, really. Mm -hmm. I would never say that you should have oil while you're in the middle of a race. I would rather you be eating dates or something that's more a smoothie, whatever. Something that's going to give you more immediate, easy-to-digest energy. So, but the question of do these long-distance or endurance athletes or any kind of, like, intensive training athletes require more energy yes of course they do of course you need enough to fuel and to recover for sure do you need more fat i i don't think so no yeah that's what we found actually um with our athletes we work with them with nutrition and it we can't get enough calories like yeah like into them to right. fuel them they, they back off because they don't want to maybe maybe have upset stomach or maybe they're watching their weight like there's, there's that mindset whereas you need to fuel yourself i mean you're exercising yeah yeah, you need more. You definitely need more calorie. You need more of all the calories, and but you want to eat more of the whole foods. If you're increasing your calories, which you should be for to fuel and recover, eat overall more calories. Eat your whole diet, just more of. I don't think you need to go to concentrated oils or concentrated sugars or anything to get that. Right, 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 right. Like eat the symphony, like mm -hmm. the symphony of foods. Vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, mushrooms, nuts, seeds, herbs, and spices. That's what we like to say. Just like Boom. that's what we want you to eat. Yeah. There you go. That's it. I was just thinking. I was at a hundred mile race this past weekend up in Tahoe. I didn't. I didn't oh. do it. I was pacing. 
um, and coming through the aid station. Oh man, like like you were saying, BJ, like because you're not um, moving at such a fast pace. Like there's just you can you it's can take buffet, in more. Right? Oh, it was an unbelievable rice balls with green onion and like you would dip it in soy sauce. They had avocado. They had. Um, uh, you know, all kinds of potatoes, sweet potatoes, you know, redless potatoes. And it was just like, it was all such yummy food that you could eat and not, and, and not have to take in like the sports nutrition, like the easy, That's because what you, a concept. I love that. Oh yeah. It was great. Oh my God. The rice balls. I'm still dreaming about them. I'll have to make them there. They were so good. And then there was one that was such a sweet treat. It was dates and they had uh, medjool dates. And then you know those, I hadn't seen these in a long time, but the maple, uh, the little maple like candies. Yeah, that yeah, just, yeah. And they had the maple candy right in the middle of the date. Like what a sugar <laughs> blast that thing was. I took that around three o'clock in the morning. I was like, oh, Hard that's just like energy. It was amazing with a little bit of coffee. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, it's really cool when you start to get into these longer distances that you're not moving as fast you know, especially through the night, um, that you can take in these these whole foods and and allow your body to absorb food from these whole food you know plant based sources. And and just for the record, they had vegan options at you know throughout all the aid stations, and they had it on the website. Like there'll be vegan options. That's and awesome. I know it's the like vegetable so amazing. Broth is such a simple thing. Oh yeah, like, they have vegetable. It's broth usually now. chicken broth. Mm -hmm. Like they have chicken broth, and I can never do that in races. But this is the first time we've actually seen. It's a simple switch, right? Vegetable broth. I, I didn't I even can't. know they give broth out. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah, it helps. Well, it helps. you get the sodium, mm -hmm. right? And then it will help to settle your stomach and a little bit. And it's warmer. Bit. So as your as the day progresses, it's getting cooler into mm -hmm. the night. You want something warm. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah to stay, stay warm because you, you got the engine burning all day. But then as the coolness comes in, then you can start to get like a chill. So, um, all right. Let's. So from the oils and kind of that confusion, let's move into the protein piece of it. Um, and I'm still hearing, I'm still hearing say, people saying, I heard it this weekend, like, I need to get my protein. Oh, I ate enough protein today, so I'll be okay to pace this runner tonight. So this almost like a, uh, like addiction to protein. What do we actually need for protein? We don't even need to think about it. We're pursuing protein like it's this special magical yes. nutrient that's not available and that's like gonna make us fitter and stronger and bigger and better and smarter and it's I mean it's crazy this obsession with protein it's it's wrong we don't basically every plant has protein has every amino acid first of all that's like something that's like what like you can get protein everywhere the other thing is everyone's getting too much protein and too much of something is not a good thing necessarily you know um, I've yet to see a protein deficiency in anyone that doesn't have, you know, any kind of like starvation going on. It is a, it is a starvation. And unless you're eating, I guess if you really wanted to get a protein deficiency, you would be eating white sugar, not even white flour, just white sugar and oil every day. And like, you it know, it would take effort is what you're saying. I mean, I've, I haven't seen it done. If you're getting enough calorie, you're not going to get protein. Deficient. So let's talk about what happens when you get it, when you're taking in too much protein. Well, let me just say this. The only way we have ever extended health span and longevity in every model organism tested is with dietary restriction without malnutrition, namely essential amino acid restriction. 
So that means from yeasts and flies and worms all the way to our primate cousins, the rhesus macaques, that was like there's two really good studies going on with those. Um, the only way they've ever improved health span and longevity is by restricting calories, restricting essential amino acids. Essential amino acids, the ones that we need from our diet. There's only nine. We get them everywhere. But restriction of them, where they're really high in animal products. So a plant-based diet naturally restricts essential amino acids. A plant-based diet naturally restricts calorie because you eat more, right, and for fewer calories. And so it's like a win-win kind of a way to get that natural dietary restriction without hunger and misery and deprivation. And it's, it's, it's basically a natural way and an easy way, a fiber-rich way and a healthy way to get what we've seen as the only way to extend health span and longevity. And I've heard that the too much protein actually in the end can lead to obesity and, and being overweight. Is that correct? Well, people are eating so much protein because they're worried about it that they're eating, what are they eating? Well, people, there's a lot of problems here, okay? This is why we call this macro confusion, and we hate talking about protein, carbs, and fat because it's, it, it only causes confusion. And we believe that's one of the main reasons people are so confused about nutrition and why people are making so many mistakes. And they can't, it's like, it's so true. And I guess we're perpetuating that right now by asking you these questions. But really what we need to ask people to do is detach from this way of thinking. Exactly. We say, forget it. Don't talk about protein, carbs, and fat. Talk about vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, mushrooms, nuts, seeds, herbs, and spices. You just need to worry about eating whole foods. Because so the, what people do is they equate protein with meat, you know, and then eating meat especially a lot large amounts of it or whey protein or all of that you are getting other stuff you know it doesn't come packaged oh it's like just protein it's got saturated fat it's got heme iron it's got tmao it's got you know um or l-carnitine it has you know it has these things that promote disease we know that you know or the other side of that you're omitting the plant foods that have lots of fiber lots of phytonutrients you get none of that in animal products so it's what are you displacing it for what are you eating in addition to like it's the food comes in a package you know and that said i don't want people eating protein powder or even a plant protein powder because again it's a concentrated source of protein we don't need that why do we think that all of a sudden we need to micromanage our macronutrient intake since when did our body become that you know predicated on our intelligence in order to precisely we didn't even know what this stuff was 150 years ago and we survived just fine in fact we survived we were healthier i mean of course there was antibiotics and stuff like that that's happened in the last century that we need and all these medications that are keeping us alive but we didn't have obesity like this ever in 2011 was the first time ever in history that overnutrition surpassed undernutrition in the world we have more people overnourished now than undernourished in the world. Wow. First time in history. So all of a sudden we need to micromanage our protein intake? You know, no, we don't. We're eating too much. That's the problem. Chronic overnutrition is the problem. You know, it, oh, that's such, that's, like, yeah, I that's just need to blowing. absorb that for a yeah. second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about the extremes. Like, we just have this, we have these big pockets of, of starvation like people starving and then we have this big uh, the u.s of like obesity we, we also have, have and we also have for the first time ever um a lot of obesity in 
the impoverished areas. Why in these food deserts? Fast food, it's cheap. A dollar, you can get a meal for your family. So it's a problem. We actually have the solution for ceasing world hunger because we're feeding so much of our grains to animals that are being raised to be killed. And like, like we just cut out that middleman and just, and just eat the food from Mother Nature. And then there would be plenty to go around because there is no lack on this earth. I mean, look at the leaves on that tree outside your window. There is only abundance that comes with Mother Nature. Only abundance. And, you know, I was thinking when you were describing that about how we just need to really detach from this obsession of separating out this perfect symphony of food and, and breaking down all this nutrition. I was teaching a yoga class last night and like how I kept teaching that class was I would put them in the pose and then I would just say, get out of the way, like get out of the way. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to breathe. And as you breathe, just allow your body to move. Stop, stop trying to break down the pose. Stop that's trying exactly, to like, that's exactly right. It. Is this kind of exactly, exactly what you're it. saying? Like exactly. get out of the way. And we're our own roadblock to our success, to our happiness, to our health in so many ways. We are our own roadblock because we're trying to intellectualize everything. And we're trying to do it right because we have this ingrained fear that we're not, that we're going to do it wrong, that we're going to, that, that it really, I mean, if, if I'm going to take it way down of what I've seen in the human condition, it's this fear of not being enough, this fear of not doing it right, this unworthiness, right? So it, it stacks up and stacks up and stacks up in all these different departments in our life. And food is a big area where we see a lot of issues with control, right? We see it with eating disorders. I've definitely been through the gamut with that as, as a younger woman and girl um, and binge eating and seeking food as um, an emotional outlet. And the way I try and um, see food or try and teach, the way I see food, but the way I try and teach others to see food is that to, to hold it in reverence, right? Like with, with reverence, but that it's just fuel, it's fuel for this body to do what it needs to do in this world. I think, I think you're right. I think you're right. But I would add to that, that it is not just fuel. It is most importantly fuel. I would say it is so deeply intertwined with love and family mm. and celebration and socializing and religion and everything it is so intertwined and is so deep in us like tradition and how you were raised and what your grandma made you and what you do every year at the holidays or it's so definitive for us and it's so deep like it's from day we have to eat from the second we're born like we're eating and it's you can't detach from eating so yes it's fuel first because you know you want to fuel properly and you want to have feel good and do well and live long and healthy mm -hmm. But because of all of that other stuff, you can't, you can't take, you know, um, detach it. It is part of our, it is interwoven into our everyday life. And we work with clients and it's, it's very deeply personal to talk about food. And that's why I stopped trying to convince anyone because I'm not going to take away your fruit roll-ups <laughs> <laughs> or whatever that you feel, you know, close to, I'm not going to say, no, you can't have that because it's bad because it's, 
it's everything about food is social and and deep i think it can help us but it can also it can also be to the detriment of our health right so we we see this sometimes like i don't know let's just say around the holidays like oh my god i have to i i'm so stuffed but i have to eat this pie because my mother spent so much time eating it oh yeah so that would be something obligation. where yeah. yeah the obligation but then also like when I go home and see my family, like I'll be going back to the Cape next week. And when I go home and see, I just, I station myself in the kitchen and I just, I, I cook for them. And that was never a dynamic that we had growing up. Never, ever, ever. But for me, it was a great way to introduce them to a whole foods plant-based diet, which by the way, they're all vegan now. Good yeah. job. Yeah. I didn't, wow. But I didn't try and convince them. Can you come them. into my family? <laughs> I didn't try and convince them. That's you the know? key. But that's the key. There might be a scallop here and there. I'm not going to say that they're, but, but they, they consider themselves to be whole foods plant-based. Um, and um, and it was amazing. just, you know, Beach mm-hmm. and I going home and making pizza. And they were like, what? You know, like, <laughs> and it, not having cheese on it and having it taste amazing and using hummus for sauce, you mm-hmm. know, like all these different things that you can do. So um, for, for me, the way it's morphed is that it's morphed as a way that, yes, I can actually um, create this beautiful, nutrient-dense food for the people that I love so much. And then I take kind of my yogi skills as I'm doing it, and I'm creating it with love. And when I'm, you know, I'm cutting the pepper, like it's, it's a sharp knife and it's a clean cut. And I hold all of that with reverence because I understand that that pepper was life. Um, I love the way that uh, Will Tuttle puts it, is that what we put in us becomes us. Yeah, I always say that too. We are, we, oh, are, we are literally what we eat. We are literally what we eat. Yes. Our cells regenerate from our food. I mean, it's, if you think about that, it's so crazy. It's such an uh, honest question too. Like, how do you feel? Like, yeah. How do you feel? And if you feel great after eating that food, awesome. Amazing. Yeah. But if you don't, then wouldn't you want to change that? Wouldn't you want to seek something that would make you feel good? Yeah, at and least you, most of the time. At least most of the time, yeah. Yeah, and we don't believe, and we don't even teach perfection. I don't even think there Mm-mm. is a such thing as perfection. Like, we really teach, um, it's the whole, the preponderance of your, your life. Like, yeah, how do you feel? How are your labs? But, like, we, what I learned, I love this terminology that Ray uses, rare and appropriate. So, like, having a rare and appropriate is not every two weeks I have a cheat meal. It's... You know, every time, he always says, every time I'm with my son, I have sushi. Or not every time, but we like to have sushi together. So once in a while, we'll have sushi together. Or like, you know, for me, I don't know what would be my very inappropriate. But like, you know, like when I'm with Ray and we're in Thailand, we go nuts. Or like, you know, we have wonderful Thai cuisine, but we'll overeat. And we feel crappy and we have all the salt and we can't wait to come home and, you know, de-salinate. De, uh, <laughs> but I mean, that whole concept of how do you feel is really important on the overall and interestingly, the better you feel and the more you take care of yourself, that one rare and appropriate, you'll notice even more of a difference, which mm-hmm. is really interesting too. But not perfection, but yeah. Yeah, there is no, there's no perfection. Well, and- you know, who we truly are is, is perfection. But this, is, this, goes to, this goes to the classic case of we're looking outside of ourselves for our happiness and for our fulfillment, when in fact, like it's, it's inside. 
um, yeah, like nobody loves a vegan cinnamon bun like this girl. <laughs> right? But mm. I... That sounds good. <laughs> oh really my God. <laughs> if, you're, if you're ever in San Diego, let me know. There's a whole bakery that just opened oh. up and it's all, I mean, vegan almond croissants that are oh. like unreal. Oh, yeah. the chocolate croissants oh. are amazing. Pop-tarts. And Pop-tarts, Pop-Tarts, where they're oh. taking like fresh berries from the farm and they must be oh. kind of reducing them and then oh like wrapping in them in some kind of vegan phyllo dough and then they frost them with this lavender frosting and then actual lavender flowers on top. Oh my goodness. Like it's like the bougie oh, pop tart. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Um, all right. Let's talk a little, let's continue to go with like this relationship with food and what's your experience have you had experience with working with people who are, they're labeling themselves as, you know, I'm binge eating. We, we've definitely come up against that. Um, and people ask us questions all the time. So I just would love to get your take and your experience on it. In general? Yeah. It's become, huh, it's so loaded. It's so loaded to ask about like any of those issues. Like I always, for years I was like, I don't deal with food um, with eating disorders like I would refer it out but now it's like become more intertwined with just eating people are yeah. saying that more and more and I'm seeing it almost regularly with people that are coming to me all kinds of people athletes sick people healthy people people just wanting to go plant-based and I don't really know how I feel about it like how I would interpret what's happening because it's still fluctuating all I could say is I've I've, I've adopted a lot of Ray's great words. I call him Rayisms because he's just, he's changed so much of what I think. I mean, after studying nutrition my entire life, he taught me more than I've ever known. I mean, he, t- and he just taught himself all of this. So, um, one of his Rayisms that I love is because it's so true is you're not broken. And it's not that you're binging because you're out of control or I, I'm not, and I'm not a psychologist. That's the other thing. It's like he's really good at coaching that part because he understands the psyche better than I do. I come at more from a nutrition perspective. And um, I would say the foods that you eat contribute to that for sure. I've seen that the whole hyper palatable thing, you know, people eating highly sugary, fatty, salty processed foods. It's way easier to eat overeat that stuff. Like I don't see people overeating apples. I just don't, you know, our clients, we have 24 recipes that we drip out to them over their journey. And they learn how much they can eat and then it's, you know, you eat until you feel good, you know, but those foods like chips, you know, you can, or popcorn, you can get to the bottom of it way too easily. So the foods you're eating, that's, that's where my perspective is because I'm not from the psychology perspective that contributes a lot. But then there's also, there's, like I said, there's so much emotion and social and everything, environmental stuff tied into eating that of course this is an issue for a lot of people, especially nowadays. The number one thing we've got going is we've got food like never before the gas station the airplane you have a half an hour flight they're still trying to feed you peanuts or whatever it's like food is everywhere you can't not be surrounded by food and like it tastes good we're adapted to eat like it's wow we could have food and store it for later but like in his metabolic winter hypothesis winter never comes we always have that accessibility to food so we've never had this opportunity ever in history where we can have unlimited food Pretty much anyone could have unlimited food, almost everyone. I know there's pockets in the world, but there are few, few now. Um, unlimited food, really hyper palatable kinds of food, 24 hours a day. Of course we want to eat it. That's not abnormal. That's not psychologically patho- pathological. That is normal. We are, we are 
we don't say design, but we are adapted to hold on to want to eat because it's survival. What are we here for? Surviving and reproduction. So it's like you've got that's a natural instinct. So the fact that it's available to us and it's so good and we've made it hyper palatable, how could you stop? So it takes a lot, a lot of work and a lot of, you know, I, I, I always, my, one of my best friends, she's like naturally one of those like, oh, so thin, doesn't want to eat. Oh, I eat because I have to. But I've realized that there's not a lot of people like that. You know, most people enjoy food. It's really pleasurable. Like for me, it's hedonistic. Like, you know, Reagan makes fun of me. Like I love to eat. Like I look forward to my meals and I like, I, I hold it in reverence too. Like I love food. I love cooking. I love the whole experience. But you know, she's one of those people that are like, eh, I could take it or leave it, you know? And um, I think that's really rare, you know? So she, those are really rare because I've studied that my whole life. I've always looked for that because I've been fascinated by it. And that's why you see underweight as a very rare thing, you know? It's like, and that's why it's, that's why it's so easy for us to be, have become where the United States is 70% of us are overweight or obese. And two out of, no, it's one out of three in the world are overweight or obese. And um, three out of four almost here in the United States. It's never been like that. Where do you think, and I, and I don't know what your um, experience is with this, but mindfulness and like applying mindfulness to, to eating. Like oh, I teach, no, I teach it too for oh, food, for good. sure. I mean, I love it. I, I try to teach exercises when I'm giving lectures, but it doesn't always work. Um, but I, I'm a big proponent of it because why do we get to the bottom of the bucket of the popcorn in a movie because we're not we're not even paying attention to it it's just mindless eating and mindless eating is really harmful you know it's not you first of all what's the point you're not enjoying it and second of all you're easily adding up you know not healthy calories calories period whatever you're eating too much without even enjoying it so I like to teach people that you should really like set the setting and I do I try to do this myself every time I eat like make sure the environment's quiet and peaceful and comfortable and you're not like reading or you're not on your phone and I love the whole, like I love Japanese food and sushi because the whole idea is, you know, the visual comes first and that's why their food is so beautiful, you know, and um, well, a lot of places around the world, but that was like the first place I learned about it when I was a teenager is about like making, it's, it's visual and it's, it's um, you know, what you smell and there's a whole experience. It's very exciting. And I try to tell my clients to like have that bite and really taste it. Like it tastes, you know, try to chew it a lot, you know, like more than you ever would instead of just gulping it down yeah yeah I mean it's it's a whole different experience and I learned about that when you know also when I was a teenager exploring this stuff and I'll never forget the first muffin I had when I decided to do that the whole experience like I remember that muffin still this is 30 years ago 20 something years ago where I was like I remember every bite and every smell and every crumb of that muffin this blueberry muffin I had and it was such an extraordinary experience and I try to replicate that and I tell my clients, like, at least, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect with every bite and every, everything because it's not always going to be like that. We have a hustle bustle life, most of us. So at least try to make that, at least try to taste your food and put your fork down and, you know, and absorb your environment and take in as much as you can, as often as you can. As athletes, sometimes when we're in the height of our training, like, oh, yeah, almost every meal is like in the car, you know, you're like eating oatmeal in the car. So how could somebody be more mindful when they're eating on the go? It's hard to. Um, I don't suggest doing that all the time. I mean, it, and again, not perfect. So when you can, <laughs> and you don't have to be, and you don't have because to be. you already are. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I would say just when you can, you know, make it as mindful as you can. And how could they do that? How could they make it mindful? 
pull over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that would, that would be ideal. Probably the safest That would way. be ideal. Or yep. even, I mean, yeah, you don't want to be sitting there, you know. I mean, I used to do that when I was a trainer working from, you know, leaving my house at 5 a.m. and home at 10 p.m. after school at night. Um, and I remember eating in the car all the time. So I would try to at least, like, taste my food and, like, kind of enjoy my food and at least not be on the phone or listen to the radio at the same time. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't recommend driving and eating. And, I mean, it's hopefully that's not something that has to happen all the time on a daily basis. And then at least make your one meal a day or I don't know. It's just, I always say, just do what you can, do your best. You know, those are, I don't think that's got to be a daily, every day. But like chewing your food, that's way too simple, you know, <laughs> like that's way too simple. And this whole idea of like, stop worrying about protein and where you're getting your iron, like stop breaking it all down. Just eat the symphony of what mother nature has provided. Like that's too simple. And do you, do you find that that's where people are mostly getting stuck? Like in your experience, where do you feel people are getting stuck? Where um, fear, like they're not going to get enough and they're going to die. Like your parents, right? And they set you up with that nurse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm still here. 14 yeah. years later, I've been vegan. I'm fine. I'm actually doing better than I was. Um, and actually, they went vegan for a while, the nurse, because her husband had a heart attack. It's kind of sad and, and it's kind of this... Quirky. Oh my God, the nurse went vegan. <laughs> they went vegan after all that many, many years later. I don't think they're vegan anymore because then they read a book. But anyway... Um, there's a lot of places you get stuck. I think the macro confusion is a big one. You know, we have our clients and mo- most, pretty much all my clients I recommend take a multi now. I've gotten to that point. I used to say, oh, you don't need anything. Maybe you just need B12. But now I'm like, you know, there's a few nutrients that just cover your bases and not, and then it also alleviates that concern about some of the micronutrients that are harder to get, like iodine, for instance. Soil is not the same. Not everyone lives by the coast. So the few nutrients that are just notable, I call them notable nutrients. Um, so the, confu- the concern about getting enough is where people get concerned. I would say the biggest place people get concerned across the board, no matter what you're trying to eat, is social. It's all psychosocial. You know, if I go out, I'm like, eh, I'm not hungry, I'm not going to eat lunch, and my mom gets mad at me. Like, this happened yesterday. She gets mad at me that I won't eat. But forget my mom. <laughs> my issues. <laughs> issues. <laughs> but people get upset, okay? And they're like, you don't need to lose weight. You're perfect. You shouldn't lose weight. You shouldn't be eating that. Or you need to eat more protein. You're not. Everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion about food. And it's, it gets in your mind. No matter how solid you are on this information. Our clients, we're sitting there talking to them. We're giving them all the science behind every detail. They go out with their friend. Their friend says, well, I read a book that, or I read a blog post that you're going to get you know, lectin poisoning from eating beans. And they're like, then it gets in their head. It's still going to be in your head. Well, what if that's true? Well, maybe it's not true. Especially if you don't have the, you know, the experience of reading the literature. Then it's even scarier. You're like, well, what if I can? And it just starts to eat away and then people just, you know, get, that's another sticking point, I think. is so much misinformation in the media and I think everyone absorbs it and everyone talks like an expert on nutrition and it's confusing. And, that, and it's almost the time to take responsibility for your body. Take responsibility for yourself. Like you hear the, th- and maybe this is my perspective, but you know, you hear the thing about beans. Well, for me, beans are fine. Like I've, I've eaten beans and I eat a lot of beans and it's fine for me. Right. So just experience it. And I'm sure Ray does this. Ray does it a lot of experiments on himself, doesn't he, at first? Mm-hmm. And we were From just talking about all the stuff we want to do. We're going <laughs> right. to do all crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's so, fun. So use that. Like tap into yourself. Like what is it to you? Like prove those other people wrong to a point. Like what does it feel for you? Like have the beans. Or... Well, okay. I love that. I love yeah, that. Ahead. But then a lot of people that haven't eaten fiber and haven't eaten beans will have a serious reaction <laughs> so to it true. and it takes time to get used to. So that's not always the case. And what I've also learned now working with, I've worked with 
hundreds of people, hundreds at this point directly, one-on-one, and thousands of people through audiences and through all that stuff and readers and stuff like that. And it's people are the same. We're not so different. That whole Mm. concept that I was taught in grad school, everyone's different. Very little, very little difference between people. Most people respond almost identically to foods. Yes, there are food allergies and food intolerances, but we are so much more alike than we are different. So that said, it's important. And most people, if they're eating a plant-based diet and they're including their beans, they're going to feel great because ultimately, but when you're adjusting your microbiome because you haven't done that before, that would be like the one kind of differentiation. Mm -hmm. And I don't want people to think, oh, I'm broken. I can't eat this way. I need to have more protein. I need, because it's just, there's a scientific method for a reason. There's a, you know, we, we can distill all of that. And the evidence is very, very, I think very clear. Um, that there are a lot of things you can generalize. So what are some things that people, because, because, and I totally agree with you, like in our essence, we are, we are so the same, like what we're trying to navigate here on this earth. Like, and, and so it might play out a little bit different. Like your mom is not my mom, (laughs) but there are things about relationships between daughters and moms that are very exact. I love you, mom. Like, (laughs) I said this yeah. to her in lectures and I like, I always give her a hard time, but we all have our little, anyway, I had to say that in case for some reason she hears this. No, it's important. And we just sent it to her anyway. We just sent it to her energetically. Yes, yes, yes. We love you, she mom. She knows, she knows. Um, what are some things that people may come across or experience that might not feel good as they are adjusting their microbiome? Most, first and foremost, there's a big shift in your GI tract. Big, big time. But what's so interesting about the microbiome and then there's different bacteria profiles that you have, the types that you have, and the amount you have, and the species you have, and all that, it changes on a, on a circadian clock. So like minute to minute, this is changing, which you would never think, right? Where you travel to, where you're from, your exposure to everything, everything you eat changes the composition of your microbiome. And we're finding more and more information. We're at the, at the tip of the iceberg with what we know about it, but it's fascinating, and it's like, directly linked to our immune system and our, you know, everything. So fiber is what feeds the microbiome, the good good microbiome. Like you wanna have, there's good bacteria and there's bad bacteria. This we could say good and bad. I don't like to say good food, bad food, but I will say there are bacteria that promote disease and there are bacteria that promote health. So when you eat prebiotics, so fiber, different types of fibers and stuff, you feed the good bacteria and those will proliferate and kill out the bad bacteria but this takes time and shifts and it depends on what you eat. And if you have a night where you're having delicious vegan Pop-Tarts and maybe a glass of wine, you know, it's gonna shift. So it's an adjustment period. And most people experience this in a gastrointestinal type of way. Like you will have, you know, especially when you're just going from like a very low fiber, which most people are on a low fiber diet, unfortunately, like I think it's like 10% of the population are getting the minimum recommended fiber, crazy. Um, so just adjusting it a little bit, you're going to have gas and bloating and maybe constipation or diarrhea. Like you're going to have GI symptoms and it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for a lot of people. So it depends on the extent of it and it depends on some people have stronger guts than others uh, in terms of what they can withstand or what they're used to, or what they had in their history. So there are some differentiations between people, but um, you know, that's the primary thing I think people will notice uh, in terms of like physically, what they feel physically. Is there anything that can can help that like more more hydration like what is there anything that can help that as they're getting to the other side of it so there's this 
concept in, um, I believe it's Chinese medicine, it's called mankin, where you get a little bit worse before you get better. Like you feel a little bit worse before you kind of get over the hump into whatever this new phase of health that you're going to move through. So is there anything that like helps with bloating that, or you just got to write it out? Um, usually you have to kind of write it out. Um, I think there's an adjust, there's like a, I hate the word detox too, but there is a period of time where your body's like getting rid of, you know, a lot of that stuff that you were kind of, and like that whole, like I'm ready for my junk food again, you know, like that whole thing where your body will really kind of like exp expected and when it's not getting it's almost like a um I guess it's kind of like a detox really but it's anyway so that said I would say if you dive all the way in which sometimes is better sometimes it's better to do a stepwise progression in terms of it easing in I think sometimes people do better easing in but when you jump in when you dive in um it's easier to like you just deal with it and then you move on with your life <laughs> but you know so it just depends on you like if you which what you prefer but there are little things like i would say what i had a client who's like i can't have any beans at all i'm like okay have have a quarter cup of beans an eighth of a cup of beans and he came back to me he's like i had two beans and i responded and reacted i've never heard that before and i'm still not sure if i believe that yeah i know just two beans yeah two i beans. had two and it was <laughs> terrible I'm like, okay that, that would be really awful <laughs> So I, but at most people I say, start with a quarter cup a day or an eighth a cup a day. If it's really bad, you never had it. Um, and then work up. So have that for a week and then work up to a half a cup and then work up to a cup and then work up eventually to, I want you to have a, one and a half cups of legumes every day. Um, that helps to go taper up. You know, when you're cooking your own beans and you put in a stick of kombu, you know, some seaweed in there that helps absorb some of the oligosaccharides, rinsing your beans helps. There are little things that help, but really you're just going to have to go through it a little bit. Hydration I, helps. You're going to have to pay the price for eating like shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said it, I didn't, but yes. Um, and the other thing is, you know, what I've noticed, what I started implementing with myself and with a lot of clients is, and it's not always ideal for athletes, but it is, it works for a lot of athletes, is time-restricted feeding gives your your gut time to recover mm -hmm. so i think that's helped a lot of people i've worked with a lot of people with gi issues i mean myself included and that really seems to help what does that, is that look like, like fasting or no, so it's separate. It, it's well it's been tied to it's like yeah. there's so much like fasting doesn't i know just, there's so many like, yeah people's perception perspective on it yeah ray yeah. and i were literally just talking about this before you guys got here because we're talking about our new research and stuff and how it's just gotten so muddled and really the, the most accurate way to say it is time restricted feeding so it basically means you're restricting your window and you're fit in the fed state and expanding your window in the fasted state basically yep. but it's not really fasting if you're going just in between meals like people are calling it that or they're saying yeah i fast every other day and i have 500 calories on those days i'm like well that's not fasting you know so i don't like we don't really use that word so time restricted fasting so basically giving yourself many many hours as many as you can tolerate you know to an extent um in the fasted state and then your body is not having to deal with all of that stuff like it's a lot of work and a lot of energy to have to digest and absorb and it takes away from all the metabolic house cleaning that needs to occur elsewhere so people that are having gi stuff it seems to be like the less you're putting through there or the less frequently you're putting through there it gives yourself time to heal and to just to do other things it makes sense that you you know you eat and then you give the body time to process that and assimilate and then you eat and then you give time to assimilate so this whole idea like that craze where it was like eat 
eight million meals throughout the day. Yeah. Like you're just constantly grazing, mm-hmm. right? Keeping your metabolism fuel is like right. oh, it's <laughs> burning. It's like really. <laughs> but I mean, you're constantly you, and it, remember that from the last bite, it's still four to six hours to process that meal. But we never give ourselves four to six hours because it's time for the snack and it's time for lunch right. and it's time for the next snack and it's time for dinner and then oh it's time for bed. You know, not good for our bodies to be constantly in the fed state. Yeah, and I would think that would be good for our control freaks out there, right? Like, and I can say that because I used to be one, um, <laughs> where you can like really start being like, okay, I'm going to like the people who like the schedule, right? Like, I'm going to do this and then I'm not going to eat for that four to six hours. I'm going to let my body and then da, da, da. so it it's kind of. Um, making you feel pretty productive right so it's and it's it's individual to how the person works but it makes so much sense and I remember when that whole grazing thing was coming around and I didn't really know anything other than you know I love food and right and uh, I've always had a pretty you know like I just like to eat and um right right (laughs) but I remember thinking like I mean, I was a massage therapist, so I knew a little bit about the body. And I was like, that just doesn't make any sense. It feels like your body, you're always, because the, it's that healing, the parasympathetic nervous system is the, the function of digestion, correct? So that healing nervous system, that calming nervous system. And um, that if we're constantly putting in, then how are we processing? It doesn't make any sense. It never made any sense to me. To, yeah, to eat all the our time. body's amazing at what it'll withstand. I mean, we could withstand a lot, but we're talking about optimal functioning. You want to give it a break. Yeah, like let it do other things. Like we need to get rid of all the virus cells and all the cancer cells and all the stuff that we're attacked with all day long. And like then the cells that we need to do apoptosis and all that stuff needs to happen. And when we're just when we're focusing on digestion and absorption, it, the body shunts to it. You know, like if you're like, that's why if you eat, you're not supposed to get right in the pool, as you probably know well. <laughs> why do you get cramps? Because your body's like, oh, shoot, I need blood to my muscles. But really, your, your blood wants to be there at the digestive tract, focusing on digestion. It's a very intensive process to put what are you going to do with all this stuff? What are you going to use for energy? What are you going to, you know, excrete? What are you going to, you know, it's a whole brilliant process. It really is. It's, it's magnificent. And, you know, I think if, if we get out of the way a little bit and, oh, yeah. and let it do its thing, yes, you know, and that's stop, exactly right. Stop trying to micromanage everything. Um, I think we'd all be a lot healthier. I was going to say, mm-hmm. we, we've practiced, we've played around with that what is it? What do you call it? Restricted time restricted feeding. Time restricted feeding. Mostly, I, I do it on Saturdays. Every every other, you know, maybe once or twice a month. And the experience I have, I'll stop eating at eight at night and won't have anything until eleven or twelve the next day. So about sixteen hours. Mm-hmm. And in that span, I'll teach two yoga classes. I'll do a treadmill workout just on water. And my awareness and a, my acute awareness basically is like up at another level. Like everything is very clear to me. And I don't do it often because I'm an endurance athlete. So I train 20, 25 hours a week. So I don't wow. want anybody to go out there and be like, you know, I'm going to start doing this. But I feel like it resets the body. And then my session, you know, the first meal that gets in is a high, you know, smoothie bowl, like something super vibrant, like fruits and vegetables. And then that following day, I'll have another quality session. And I feel like the body just needed a little reset. Totally. You know? And I do, you know, in my in my realm, I do use those performance stuff, the gels and the stuff every once in a while, you know, in the intense intensity of in the, the mimicking of, of race day. But, but I feel like that body needs a reset. And when you have that, that diet, that daily diet, that's totally quality, you can, your body, I feel can respond better to those fuels. 
So it's not like relying on those fuels. It's got a solid foundation, like a like a house. Like it's like you're not going to get bone. into some kind of nutritional um, problem because you're shooting down gels during Iron right. Man because his and, gut is is solid coming into it. And it's it. been eight, like it's daily seven, diet. eight years now yeah. since we've been plant based and since we've been doing this. Like there's no issues that I have on no. my race days because, and I and I'm not going to say it's just because of the timing and. The food but it's a lot of things it's the low stress it's the being mindful it's you put that whole stew together and you show up on race day and there you go yep. there's your formula yeah you just like food is a symphony i think a healthy lifestyle is is very much a part of that it's it's not just i've heard like you can't you can't out um can't out exercise like a crappy diet no. like you, yeah, so you can do all the work you can even eat right? like broccoli all day long but if your if your life is in a shambles and you're not able to navigate stress and you're miserable or you know your relationship to what's happening in life like that's going to affect what's happening that's going to affect your ability to digest that rest and digest nervous system right um uh so what's next can you talk about um your book yes i would okay. love to let's, all right oh my let's God, have so it excited i i just love working with ray i'm like so excited because not, it's just funny because I'm a dietitian, right? I have seven years of science, hardcore science training. Right? I can analyze a diet. I could, you know, I could do all sorts of crazy science stuff, which I love. But yet everyone asks me to make recipes. Like from the first book, they're like, and there'll be 50 recipes. I'm like, what do you mean? I don't cook. My mom didn't teach me how to cook. Like I taught myself how to shove stuff together in the kitchen because I wanted to eat healthy and I love food. I'm not a trained chef. So that's the funny part. So background story. So I've done, this is my fifth book now, and now I get to work with the scientist guy who happens to be a trained chef. <laughs> oh, I didn't know I that. Know. I, I, didn't I know, know he went right. to culinary school, so we're such a good team because I love to eat and he loves to cook and we love to make recipes together. So we are doing a cookbook. So 100 recipes, which I would never have wanted to do on my own because I've already done, like I just don't love doing recipe development, not my forte. But I had so much fun with him because we were in the kitchen doing science and cooking and saying, look at, you know, we don't need oil, but we could play with this. And we have hauled. So it's like the most deep dive into the science. It's everything you wanted to know about what to eat, why to eat, how to eat, when to eat, everything in the first three chapters. We'll see how much the editor lets us get through because it's really, it's so much information. I'm so excited about it. But we, you know, you know, we talk about crazy stuff like MSG. We don't have any in our recipes, but we talk about this, the controversy of it. That's a whole other st story. I can go on for an hour about our MSG story. It's very funny. Um, we talk about salt and using salt carefully. And so we were scientifically experimenting with all of this in the kitchen. Um, and then we came up with 100 really fun recipes. And we did, it's very disruptive. So we did, um, instead of breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, and desserts, because we don't do that because we don't talk about meals, we did soup, salad, sides, and sweets. Those are our four recipe chapters. So I'm so excited about this book. And we got photos. It's my first book with photos. And um, I love the size. That's one thing I tell people when they're like, how am I going to go to the... Uh, we had a gentleman that we were working with who works in the automotive industry. And so he's going to these conventions and he's going out with all these like, you know, automotive guys and whatever. And here he is transitioning to a plant-based diet. And I was like, dude, sides sides menu. Yeah. Go all sides menu. So yep. I love that you've got that in there. Because yeah, we the tell everyone just menu, to eat sides. It's the best. Of course, absolutely. I mean, you can get some of the best meals at a steakhouse, and it's all the delicious sides. Mm -hmm. So that's what we say: eat your side, just eat sides. And so, yeah. So that's one of our one of our chapters. But I'm really excited about this because it's you know it's the it's how to why and then beautiful like delicious. I mean, really, I'm so. It excited doesn't sound like meals. we've seen a cookbook like this before. 
We haven't. We've looked at so we looked at cookbook. We found one that was very similar in the 19th century or the 18th century, and it <laughs> oh was goodness. your direct com- competition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Except it's not, yeah, I don't know if you can get it anymore, so not that big of a competition. But it was like science at the beginning and then recipes, and it was like, or receipts, they call them receipts. And I'm like, and like I've never seen anything like it now because, so I, I don't know, I'm really excited about this because we put everything we wanted to talk about HealthSpan into this, and it's really everything we believe in and what we teach and what we live by. Um, and it can taste, we want food to taste delicious. So he makes it taste even extra delicious. I'm, I'm on like, you know, sodium patrol and oil patrol, you know, like we kind of had some battles about some things, which was really fun because we wanted it to be right. We never say it's about who's right, it's what's right. We really have answers for everything. And um, his amazing Kickstarter project, Our Broken Plate, is the, it was like, it's a tome of this whole thing documented. Everything that happened in nutrition, metabolism and everything. And um, it's, he was already almost done with it when he met me and then he just never published it, finished publishing it. So that's what we're working on next to finish it because, I mean, he wrote it, it's insane. But his last chapter was The Healthspan Solution and that's what this is called. So it was basically, this is, this book is coming out now it's We're a supposed chapter. to be the, the sequel. <laughs> and it's, yeah, so we've got, it's, it's yeah, exactly. So it's going to be, so You're we're going to get that out You're just doing it like too. Star Wars. Exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. what I told in the prequel. <laughs> exactly. But we're hoping to get our broken plate done before that, have him get it out before. But either way, it's all that information. It was like, this will be the expanded version, and this will be how to do it with the recipes and why and all that. That's so cool. So, when are we going to see it? So this, the Healthspan Solution publishes in December. And um, and hopefully our broken plate will get before or close thereafter. But we're going to work on that starting now. And then we're working on a, a research paper um, on diabetes, which is also crazy disruptive, crazy disruptive. Oh, I love it. And um, and just working on our company on on Eferos on getting. You know, we we have a lifestyle transformation company. We work with clients, major lifestyle transformation. We have very predictable results. And it's been extraordinary to do that together. And so we're trying to scale that up because we, you know, we want to be able to take on more people because we have to say no to so many people because there's only two of us right now. So we need our app. We're getting our app developed and all that. So that's that's what we're busy oh with. God. Wow. And then more, so more retreats too. We're going to try to go back to Thailand in January and... We like we did a couple of retreats there in January. It was incredible. So the retreats obviously centered around food. What else is yeah, it's included a plant, in those? Yeah, so it's a five star resort that happens to have a plant based kitchen, a culinary school. So we do cooking. They teach we teach nutrition, health span, and then they teach culinary. We make food and eat and you know go get a massage at night down the street for ten dollars an hour. The best massages of your life because it's Thailand. That's so yeah. All right. Well, fun. let me know if you ever need a yoga t- teacher on those retreats. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> you should come with us. All right. One final question. Like people who are out there, um, you know, we just had uh, an athlete of ours text us this morning that she suggested that her parents watch Forks Over Knives and they finished the movie and her dad said, well, I'm in. So the but they're like we don't know how to start so yeah what's so the I one two three of how to start they, and it seems like they want that that step-by-step process but is that the best or you shouldn't say the best what would you consider the easiest transition to move from this point to a plant-based diet yeah okay. you're aware okay so well that's what plant-based nutrition idiots guide is is like how why here's what to do okay because first thing buy that book yeah i hate saying that because like, no, yeah, no, that yeah. was the book that i wish when i wanted to go plant-based when i was a teenager i wish that was the book i had because it's, awesome it answers all those questions where do i get my this nutrient where do i get that how do i eat this plus the recipes what does a day in the life look like all of the those questions i also have like i try to summarize it on my website on my i did a blog post a couple years ago called 
and I don't even, I, I, I'm trying not to use the word vegan anymore, but because um, I want people to know you don't have to be perfect to eat this way. Yeah, inclusive. Diet. inclusive. Yeah, and also now that veganism has so many processed foods out there and, you know, you get everything I could eat, you could eat vegan, you know, with the ice cream and candies and all that stuff. So I don't like to use the word vegan anymore um, as much. But anyway, it was like 500 words, everything you need to know about going vegan in 500 words or less. So it's all like a summary. Because what you need to do is really make it simple, not worry about macro confusion. Eat vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, mushrooms, nuts, seeds, herbs, and spices in infinite tasty combinations. Here's my best advice. We don't eat that many different meals. We rotate, you know, through maybe one or two different breakfasts. We don't like to do that, but you know, maybe, maybe let's say four or five different meals a week, really six, seven, eight, if you're, if you're really kind of exploratory and adventurous, or if you're eating a lot because you're exercising a lot, just find those few meals that you love and make them delicious plant-based meals. And now, not only do you, you don't have to go get a cookbook, there's like thousands and thousands of recipes online. Find something that sounds delicious, try it when you find one you like. Like I started with a pile of recipes and when I had one that I loved, I put a heart on it. When I found one I didn't, I would try to modify and if it didn't work, I didn't like it, I threw it away. And then I ended up with a list and I would just rotate through the recipes I love. Doesn't have to, nutrition is not an emergency. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to eat a certain amount of every variety every single day. It doesn't have to be perfect. And if you let go of that and stop, and don't talk to anyone about this because everyone will talk you out of it, um, about eating a plant-based diet, just like just <laughs> stay in your little bubble. Um, you find a few meals you like, that's all you need. Eat healthy, eat plants. Live longer. And live and better. better. Live better. Mm. We say in our intro to Healthspan Solution, eating carrots is not going to make you immortal. It's not. We can't solve aging completely, but this is the best diet we know of. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Oh, that was so great, Juliana. Thank, thank you. you.